0: This is Sonny Ryan, looking to talk to to Alex Simmons about Tell the Damn Story. Oh, good. Look, look at you. Look at
1: you. Did you go out for a walk yet?
0: I went out for a walk, but yeah. you know, it's Sunday, and I know how to chill.
1: Yeah, you'd be chilling right there on Chris's lap. <laughs> for those of you who are getting
0: the audio version,
1: describe your companion there.
0: That is Sonny. He is a Beagle and Terrier mix, and we've had him for a little over a year uh, at this late stage of our lives. We are first-time dog owners, uh, because the, uh, our sons have been kind of marketing the idea for a long time. And when they, call, they graduated college, it felt like a good um, uh, marker or, you know, uh, celebration. So uh, well, well, we found out now, many
1: so they're, things. They're, they're, they're older now. They're not little boys who want a puppy. They're,
2: uh,
0: they're college grads. And you get I, a dog? I tell you what, your godson, Tyler, when he goes out with this guy, the two of them become puppies, and they're running around in the fields and having puppy-dog fun, and they both come back out of breath. So, yeah, and the other guy, he's goofy with them. But as you can see, this guy has chosen me as his place to chill.
1: you the so, alpha, man. That's it. Uh, That's apparently necessary.
0: so. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I'll eventually get up, and he'll just replace me with the couch. He knows <laughs> He knows how to spend a Sunday. This guy.
1: So, but, so doesn't he also have a job there? I see. I remember yes. Yes.
0: Uh, he is the um, security chief for Seamus <laughs> and Nunzio Publications, <laughs> and as as you can see, he is always on watch. Look at that. Yeah. Yes. Look alert, at the vigilance. Alert. Look Even at his the lives vigilance.
1: Are are 95% shut? You know. Mm, you know.
0: But it's <laughs> that five percent that keeps yeah. us safe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he became the security chief because he was always near me asleep, and I thought that was pretty funny, and Silvio is always either climbing onto my shoulder or trying to climb onto the laptop and fascinated by the screen, so he became the managing editor.
1: Got you. Silvio uh, is is your
0: cat. That's one of the two cats. My wife owns a lot of animals in his house. I'm she leave shook that her head. Way. She says, they're not mine. Leave that way. <laughs> um, did we give uh, Isabella a job, too? Is she the uh, financial manager or something, something <laughs> like that? Because she's, you can't get anything out of her. You know? She's a pure cat. So if you're like, come here a minute, yeah, let's talk. Man. She's like, mm-hmm. So <laughs> I thought that was somebody, that was pretty good personality to have. In charge and of the finances. Starting the money. So. You can't get no money from us. Nothing. Not yeah. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. here we are.
1: Episode. Yeah, I know, folks. It's it's Sunday, and it's a laid-back kind of Sunday. But here we are with episode 103 yeah. of Tell the Damn Story. you know. And yeah. Chris is in beautiful, beautiful New Jersey. Yeah, now, <laughs> I know the state. I'm trying to remember the township. <laughs> uh, uh, let's just say Bergen County. Okay, there you are. So he's. In I'm great. at
0: a. I'm a semi undisclosed location.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Do, 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 do. Yeah, zero in. Okay, and I'm. And,
0: uh, and in you're, under, and you're in the boogie down. Yes,
1: I'm in the boogie down Bronx. So we are. We are. We have. We have a couple of things happening here today. Uh, one of them is just quickly. What have you been up to, Chris? Because the summer oh. was jam packed. We talked about it a little bit last week, but oh. even between last week and now, you've hit a major milestone,
0: right? Yeah, and uh, and it was kind of a uh, a secondary milestone was hit yesterday as well. So, um, as some listeners might remember, um, there was some mild potential interest in uh, republishing uh, one of my early novels, an award-winning novel, and uh, City of Woe, and I... uh, among the conditions was to put it in front of a, um, a professional editor, and I was lucky enough through MD, MWA, Mystery Writers of America, and a mentor there. A the wrap for uh, a moment there. No, the Mystery Writers of America and a mentor there, Jim Facelli, um, recommended a very well-respected editor that uh, I wanted. I just told her I wanted to go through the manuscript first uh before i sent it to her and then that took five and a half almost six weeks i finished going through it uh earlier this week and i gave it to one of the uh proofreaders readers uh uh that uh that has worked with me forever a very very generous woman named cindy ortiz and uh she gave it back, she gave me a thumbs up for the book. Uh, right. She remembers the first book. She thinks this is tighter, the pace is uh, 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 quicker, even than it used to be. And uh, she says that all the stuff we lost, she doesn't mind. And the stuff we gained, she thinks really improves the book. So hooray, hooray, hooray. And then with all that, and with my careful reading of every single page and reading it out loud, and tweaking, it, and, and then reading, and proofreading, and reading again the sorry, tweaks. We, yes, I was definitely uh, reading.
1: Yeah, I uh,
0: making, did you write? Because I wanted the copy to be as clean as possible. Even with all that, I think she found a hundred typos. You know, Jeez. and it's, it's, you know, just little things, like, you know, yeah. uh, the word and, for some reason, the A, I didn't hit the A well. Or um, sometimes, you know, Autocorrect is not your friend. Yeah, oh, you she know, and tell me seams that. will become seam will become seams, and and all those little things. So she found a ton, um, and then uh, there was a couple of questions that she had that led me to add a sentence or two to clarify, and I think that that's also invaluable. And this is why you have readers. This is why you have proofreaders, and all of this. And and Tina is going through it because. You know, that's kind of a more personal uh, 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 sounding board for me, you know, and then we're going to send it to this editor after all this work. Yeah,
1: I wanted to say, you (laughs) you have a professional recommended, well-recommended editor waiting for this. You spent five to six weeks rewriting an already award-winning book, Uh sent it to a proofreader and, and had the goddess read it. Yeah. More fix, and now you're going to send it to the editors. So, I mean, I, I want you to understand the commitment here,
0: folks. And understand that uh, I am prepared for her to wade into it
2: mm-hmm.
0: with like a Con- Conan the Barbarian size axe. Oh, you know, right? So whatever goes there, then, you know, um, my mind is open and my heart is open to, okay, what what does the piece need? What does the book need to take it to that next level? Well, are we down to three sisters, four sisters now? Four big publishers, right? Three big mm-hmm. publishers. That's that's not who's waiting for me. This is a you know an up and coming uh, publishing entity, and uh, um, still, you know, the idea is to cross the street. You know, I've done the independent thing. I need to quote Joe R. Lansdale, someone to vet, you know, and say, yeah, I read the work and it was worth me putting some, you know, modicum of money behind it. You know, it's it's not Stephen King money, God bless Stevie. You know, (laughs) it is what it is. And when I tell my students
1: that writing is a very personal thing, I mean, a lot of creatives go through very personal processes to to do their, their dance, their acting, their writing, their painting, whatever. Uh, and, but then there's a point where you have to put it before other eyes and those, have to, yeah. yeah those eyes can be someone who's you know on your team but there to help you find the weak spots or it can be an editor or oh when you finally send it out the door among strangers and you wait oh, yeah. their reactions and how do you deal with that and I know we've had you know we've shared different stories and you've done. Uh, interviews as uh, as as I have as well, but we've done interviews with people who've gone through it, and it's always interesting. Now this is what two years later to hear you talking about this because I
0: mean, when did you write City of Woe? Well, say Woe well, has been in existence. Uh, well, the truth is, yeah, yeah, the we, main, yeah. we'll continue, The main right. character yeah, right, yeah. first surfaced in my senior year of college. Where I was taking my last writing class, and uh, you were supposed to write like two short stories or so that kind of stuff. And I asked, "Listen, can I write a treatment for a novel?" And he laughed and said, "Sure." <laughs> so I wrote a hundred-page treatment, and um, the only word that survived from that is the word Mallory which is the last name of the character. Uh, I had them uh, as federal agents and this and that and the other thing. And I didn't really have uh, the story uh, as it is now. Mm. And then, you know, I was a journalist for a bunch of years. And then uh, the teaching bug. And I went from teaching in the Bronx to teaching in New Jersey. And I wound up teaching uh, a bit of the canon to seniors. And one of the books was uh, Dante's Inferno, and we would just do excerpts from it because you know it is what it is. And they love the idea. We would ex- I would explain. I'd give them the map of hell. You know, I would tell them, okay, this week we're going on a field trip. Bring a lunch. We're going to hell. Um, <laughs> Aren't
1: we all right there,
0: Teach? G-? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, and and we would talk about the concepts that uh, of Dante saying really asking what are you doing with your life and the idea of hell being uh, a punishment for not utilizing the gift of life Mm -hmm. and succumbing to baser instincts and that kind of stuff whatever it is whether it's lust or anger or depression or whatever uh this was before he wrote this before the invention of psychology or the evolution of psychology so you know he looks at depression in a different way um the only thing that got in their way was that it was you know written for an entirely different audience so i started to think all right what would dante's inferno's journey look like in modern times
1: so uh, i'm gonna cut you off uh for two reasons because i realized one of the things we did not do at the beginning of the of the episode is is uh, set people up for the fact that this
0: whole episode is not going to be just you and i <laughs> no. well it's 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 very interesting that we're all leading to uh, an interview with a writer who has similar things to talk about not in like similar content but in how she approaches exactly writing yeah um the discipline the consistency The dedication,
1: patience, patience, dedication. Yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. Yeah, so it's going to be really fun to hear a completely different uh, uh, perspective. That is, I found her interview so helpful. And Um, and, and I I took notes.
1: Her being the lovely
0: and and Becky Weisfeld, Vicki Weisfeld, and she's a a short story mystery writer. Uh, She claims in the interview she has a couple of novels, but she's still working on them. Meanwhile. (laughs) <laughs> she was the first the lead story in the July August issue of Ellery Queen which that's right. ah, a pretty big feather to have in your hat and it's, and she, and it's
1: not her first time in that publication either that's correct
0: yeah, yeah that's correct so um I thought from that perspective it would be really you know, really fun to just talk to her about a uh, process and and her ideas and she is as as much as you know, we've had a lot of ladies this year from uh, Deadlink, and oh, thank you. One, I'm glad you
1: pulled that in there. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And each one of them offers um, you know a unique perspective on the same journey that we're on, well, and we it just shows you
1: sisters of crime. Sisters. Sis, of crime. We we
0: did the interview with uh, Jane and Linda.
1: Right. Uh, they are
0: the, they are two presidents of different uh, states. Uh, uh, state chapters of the Sisters in Crime, mm-hmm. and Sisters in Crime have an absolutely great resource as their website. So if you're out there, check it out. Vicky mentions at least two or three other resources in this very casual, genteel way. I'm like, listen, she's like a very secret badass. This has been the <laughs> this has been the summer of yeah, badass women. Started- very secret badass. Very <laughs> secret badass. Vicky is badass. Badass writers. <laughs> badass. If we talk about all the ladies that we've interviewed, right? Uh, Jane and Linda and Eileen and Peggy and now Vicky. You know, they're not on a daily basis killers. <laughs> right? That's nice to know. Right? Or, or, or bank robbers or, you know, or, you know, any of the other crimes that they write about. But they are, each and every one of them, intelligent, curious people. Mm. And they want to they solve the mystery. They want to solve the puzzle. And I think that's what they have in common with their readers. Mm. You know, and I think that uh, any readers that I'm lucky enough to have, I think it's because there's a common ground. And on that note, I think we mm -hmm. should get to this wonderful interview. If you're an aspiring writer, bring a pencil to this interview because she has some good stuff to take notes on. Go get one. We'll wait. (laughs) And you may not be able to get the July-August issue of Ellery Queen on the stands now, but if you pick up the latest Ellery Queen, you can get back issue, and it won't be that expensive to get you Know the July, and then you can read Vicki and
1: uh, right. And again, as you know, uh, when we do these, we don't uh, come around at the end of this and and sort of roll it all up for you. So, once again, thank you for joining us. You can enjoy Vicki in a moment, Chris talking with Vicki. Uh, please, comments, reactions uh, are there any types of, of writing challenges, or stories, or films, or things that you want us to talk about? Any questions you have, send it to us. Drop it in the comments section of whatever it is or however you're hearing us. But definitely, you know, reach back out because we've enjoyed that. And we want to continue that.
0: Excellent. Okay. Bye, All right, brother. Peace. Peace. Hey, it's Chris Ryan for Tell the Damn Story. And we are here at the Deadly Inc. Mystery Writers Conference in beautiful Parsippany, New Jersey. And I'm lucky enough to be talking with Vicki Weisfeld who is a short story writer of Mysteries and Thriller. Um, Most recently, Ellery Queen magazine, right? Yes. The lead story. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you write, Vicki?
2: Well, I write uh, short, and I do I do have two novels as well, but they have never been published, so I continue to work on them, but I really like the short form because it's so concentrated. You have to get in and get out. I heard someone describe it once as um, a short story is like a smash-and-grab robbery, whereas a novel is the long con.
0: Excellent. Excellent phrase. Um, so, besides The Elder Queen, where do you... Where else do you get published, where's your
2: I had a story. usual haunts? <laughs> <laughs> I had a story last December in uh, Sherlock Holmes Mystery Magazine, and I'm in a n- number of anthologies of short stories. It's kind of interesting uh, to take the submission requirements for an anthology because they're usually built around some kind of a theme, and just see if that theme resonates with you. Uh, And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, but last fall I had a short story in an anthology called Quoth the Raven, and what that was about was um, contemporary stories set in the world of with the sensibility of Edgar Allan Poe. And so it was really fun to see how the authors in that compilation took Po, familiar Poe stories and just really translated them to the 21st century. My story in that uh, compilation was based on a, a less familiar Poe story called *Berenice*, which uh, is about a man who becomes obsessed with his wife's teeth, um. and when she uh, and she dies, and he removes all her teeth and only to find out that she wasn't in fact dead. Oh so, no! <laughs> so it's really rather, if, if you have a fear of dentistry, this is probably not a story that you would wanna read. But
0: So what um, did you do with that?
2: Translating it to the modern world, I uh, have a twin obsessed with her brother who has moved to the west coast and she's living on the east coast. And his new girlfriend, uh, has these fabulous teeth and she's so jealous of this girl because uh, my main character has developed um, a meth habit so she has meth oh, yeah. mouth meth- now yeah, yeah, yeah. so her teeth are really ravaged by the, the drug and so this woman's gleaming teeth, she said it's like the, the headlights of a Mercedes heading toward me <laughs> because the teeth just uh, preoccupy all her um, her mind and let's just say things do not
0: end well <laughs> well when Poes involved that's usually the case yeah so was. I, I was struck by mm-hmm. um, the challenge you see in uh, say an anthology or um, a re- the requirements page for whatever uh, possible submission so when you're reading those, does a story come up right away or do the requirements kind of stay in your head as you're wandering around doing you know, regular daily routines and it germinate? How, what's the process for you?
2: Well, usually I, I need to think about it a while. Um, sometimes uh, an anthology's requirements come up and I already have a story that's that would great. fit that. So that's, that's really uh, a lucky break. But um, I like to think about it and what that world would be like. And then the characters come. Who is the character who would act in that world, and what would they do, and and how would they fit those uh, those requirements? I recently um, read a, a a call for uh, stories having to do with the occult detective, and you you have to think about what does that mean exactly. Does it mean that uh, a person uses occult uh, techniques, uh, palm reading or, mm-hmm. or fortune telling, to solve a crime? Or is it the detective is looking into the occult world? Right. And I think you could really go either way with that one.
0: And either one is a very different story than the other. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. So. Um, Two of my detectives stumble across things that have those supernatural elements. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's, you know, a, a very real world uh, explanation. There's you
2: know. a fair amount of interest right now in um, mysticism and the occult and paranormal elements and stories and so forth. And yeah. it's not something that I particularly resonate with but um, it's kind of fun to play with a little bit. And and in a short story, you've you've made... uh, I spend a lot of time on my short stories, of course, but it's not the commitment you make when you're going to think about a novel. So you can experiment more.
0: But it's a different set of commitments because you have, obviously, less space to get every element that you need in there. So how do you approach it? I was interested that you started... Seeing your characters first, right? Is it goes from character to plot for you, or character to genre? How's that? How, how did you develop a story?
2: I I like to think about what the plot would be, uh, it sort of in general, or the theme would be, and then then settle on the characters. And then I think even in a short story, the character really has to. Uh, capture the reader's interest, and mm-hmm. it has to be someone who is interesting and uh, believable and uh, has an emotional hook so that people want to read what yeah. how it is they react to this situation they've thrust into.
0: Can we talk about um, the story that you have in, I think it's the July issue of Ellery Queen?
2: July, August,
0: yes. Yes, July, August. So the name of that story?
2: It's called New Energy. And it's, set, it's, it's one of three stories I've written about a young uh, newspaper reporter named Brianna Yamato. She's half Japanese, and um, she's very young and the, very short, and the men at, around the newspaper are these crusty old guys, and they, they don't sexist. even think she's old enough to buy a beer, so they yep. really w- would prefer to ignore her. but. In fact, she ends up in all three stories solving what had been an unsolved crime. And uh, so, New Energy is the one that's in Ellery Queen, and it has. Is that the
0: first of the three? The third of the three?
2: Uh, It's the middle one. Okay. And uh, the other two, you know, are, are out and about hoping to be published. And in New Energy, her. Uh, friend goes in is a wind turbine technician, which means, and a lot of, I put these details in. We we always have a debate about how many how much background do you put in, but I thought this was so interesting, and I don't think people realize it that the ladder to get up into a wind turbine and repair the mechanics sit there is uh, inside that tube, Right. That, and it can be 30 stories up. And they, these uh, technicians, are carrying a, have to carry all their equipment with them. They're carrying a hundred pounds of equipment, maybe, up thirty stories. These people never need to go to the gym. Right. <laughs> um, and so he gets up there, opens his pack, and a rattlesnake shoots right. out and bites him. And you know, very often a rattlesnake bite, which is another thing I had to research, is not fatal. Uh, but it, you know, it's biting your ankle or something. But it bites him right on the neck, and right. it's too—it's um, too dangerous. And he's getting dizzy. It's very hot in there, and he's 30 stories up. There's no yeah. way he can get himself. He's not going to get
0: down and find yeah.
2: the uh, and uh, uh, the anti
0: venom in time. So yeah. so
2: So. Um, so They figure out right away that no one else has been up in the uh, wind turbine, and so he must have carried the snake up with him in his pack.
0: So then the mystery becomes how the snake got in there. Yeah. And you'll have to buy the issue (laughs) to find out how it goes. But I do want to go back to uh, the main character's name again.
2: Uh, Brianna Yamato.
0: Brianna Yamato. How did you come up with her?
2: Well, I'm familiar with that part of Texas where mm-hmm. she uh, where she writes, and I was trying to think of a character that would be a little different from, um, and I wanted to be a young person, so uh, and she just, I have to say she just came to me. Mm-hmm. I know writers say that sort of mystical kind of thing, but it, this is true. She just came to me as a person sitting on the chair beside me.
0: Yeah, fully formed. Mm-hmm. Right, excellent. So, what were um. What were the challenges to, or, or the hurdles to get to published in Ellery Queen? That's that's a uh, nice bit of uh, accomplishment right there. So. Oh
2: well, thank you. Um, this is my fourth story in Ellery Queen, and uh, my first one was in two
0: thousand seven. How many times uh, did you submit before?
2: Oh. That was the first time I'd ever submitted. Look to at that. you! Yeah, yeah. I was so surprised and really so shocked when I opened this thick envelope with it had the contract in it. Mm. I, I will admit, I cried. Sure. I was so surprised. I never had any reason to think I would be published, much less in such a wonderful um, journal. But. Um, then I've had some rejections along the way. I, there was one story, I sent them twice in different... I worked on it again and sent it again, and it got rejected twice, but that was finally published in the Sherlock Holmes Mystery Magazine mm-hmm. last December. They rejected a story because they... Uh, they're very kind to me and send uh, a little note sometimes with why, and it was they felt that it had other stories like it. Mm-hmm. It was about a woman trying to go off the grid to escape a abusive husband. Okay. And so, yeah, that's a a problem that other people have wrestled with for sure. But that story went on to get published mm-hmm. and to win a short story mystery writers award.
0: So Excellent. Now that's the um, that's really the uh, one of the golden rules with short stories or with work. If it gets rejected, get it out within uh, the week. Absolutely. Just redo it and redo it. How do you um, how do you separate the uh, the heartache of a rejection Constant and get rejection. to the business? Yeah, how, <laughs> well, because so many of the people who listen with us are going through similar things. so yeah, we yeah. find it helpful.
2: Well, what I do is I'm always on the lookout for new, new reading uh, these calls for submissions and looking at magazines and what they're looking for and whether they have an open submissions period and thinking where my story might fit, and it doesn't matter if I have sent it out. I have a list and uh, keep a chart on my computer and I know where I'm going to send it next. And sort of by planning its next step when it comes back, mm-hmm. okay, then we do the next step. But if it comes back and you don't have any kind of plan, then you're sort of stuck. Right. So this helps my mental...
0: So how do you develop outlook. the list? Is it the same list every time? Have you just gone over looking at the uh, the potential for this particular story and create a new list each time?
2: It's a... Well, it's not a long list for each story, but I look at... Um, My uh, chart of the different publications that publish in my genre, Mm -hmm. and you know that limits you. And I uh, add new ideas to to it based on the kinds of stories that that particular publication likes, the kind of length requirements they may have. Uh, For instance, I just got us the third of a. that my Brianna series was rejected by a um, publication that I was writing for, and it was 5,900 words. Well, I knew that my next step was to send it to this other publication, and their limit was 5,000 words. So I did well, cut 900 it. words out.
0: And then send it back out. And again. then
2: send it back out, and it, right. I did that within two days.
0: So That's, that, it sounds so helpful. Do you mind if I ask you what's included in the chart?
2: Um, for the yes, I I have really two charts. I have one that includes all the information on publications, so which has the name and a hot link to their submissions mm-hmm. page to save me some time. Will uh, how often do they publish? Do they have a word limit? Do they require a payment? Do they let you have simultaneous submissions? And how long they usually say they're. Um, turnaround time miss, is, okay. which is a lot of times they don't even say, Right. and then I have a co- empty column for which stories I've sent to them and what happened to them. And then for my stories, I have a list of my stories and which publications I've sent them to, and um, it helps to have all the story stuff compiled in one place, and where I might s- send them next, and what the deadlines are, if there is a deadline for submission, and when I expect to hear and what what ultimately transpired.
0: Excellent. Now, um, for some of our aspiring authors <laughs>
2: uh,
0: who might not know where to look to create a list like that for their um, mm-hmm. their jo- genre, mm-hmm. would you suggest a place, a resource? Uh, I mean, there's a couple of guides, publishing guides.
2: Yes, but um, there's a couple of nice. Um, blogs, and I. uh, it was a shame that Sandra Siemens died a few months ago, because she uh, kept a fabulous blog of places to um, submit mystery and crime Mm -hmm. stories to. But there are a couple of others, uh, and there's a, a publication that's free to sign up for their email list called Authors Publish and they have a rundown, and so it's not something that you have to have a comprehensive list the first day. You know, you gradually build it up as you hear right. about new ones, Right. and um, you know, even something like the nice program they prepared for Deadly Ink will list the, the participants here, where they publish and so mm-hmm. forth, where it might give some additional ideas. Some ideas, ideas. I, get,
0: that's, I keep a, a, a separate list of all the new places I hear.
2: Yes, just, you're just you're constantly a, scouting yeah. around for sure. possibilities. Um, also, I find it helpful for authors to join the um, writers' associations of the genre they write in. So for instance, in my case, it's Mystery Writers of America, mm-hmm. uh, Sisters in Crime, mm-hmm. uh, Short Mystery Fiction Society.
0: Mm-hmm. How is speak- that? I, I just I mm-hmm. just ran across that recently. Um,
2: it's good. It's helpful to me. I, you, you see where members are publishing mm. and um, you have an opportunity to interact with other writers and you, you avoid that isolation. That yep. And another one is the Public Safety Writers Association, which is um, firefighters, cops, uh, EMTs, and milita- former military people. And what's wonderful about that is on their blog, you can ask, you know, I want to, my policeman needs to go in with a weapon, and what would be the right, and you, you describe the scenario, and you'll get a lot of advice back, Oh, that's fantastic. and it'll be, uh, it'll be very friendly advice, oh, yeah,
0: that's a, a rich resource, I'm so going to steal kind of, that one myself,
2: <laughs> so those kind of things well. are good, and every genre, memoir, romance, sci-fi, Every genre has one of those writers' groups, too.
0: Excellent. So let's talk about uh, daily writing routine. What works for you?
2: I like to write early in the morning, and um, the award-winning author, Robert Olin Butler, says that that's the best time to write because you're still not really quite awake and you're still more in touch with your subconscious mind and I find that really works for me.
0: So for you, what's early morning? Are we talking four, five, six, seven, oh, eight, nine? Yeah,
2: it, well, it depends on the time of year. I've decided I must have been a farmer in a previous life because <laughs> when it starts to get light, I can't go back to sleep. So in the summertime, I'm usually up about 5.30, especially if I'm actively writing something mm-hmm. then because I, I can't stand to stay in bed anymore. I want to get, want to the to get in the computer yeah. and start working. And then I also, um, four times a week usually, post on my blog. And so that's more writing that I have to do. And um, I write uh, reviews for a UK website called crimefictionlover.com. I've reviewed. 70 or so books for them a year so I do reading that, so sure. I'm always writing something even if it isn't one of my own stories or working on one of my novels a, yeah.
0: so if um, if let's talk about uh, the short stories uh, panzer or plotter
2: Panzer to the end
0: to so the end yeah yes I,
2: I like to be surprised.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. So now, when you go through a story, and you have you, uh, you've come across something that uh, resolves the story. Do you go back and then see that so it makes sense? Do you in the rewriting process?
2: Sometimes you have to. um, Sometimes you need to go back and put a little clue in somewhere Mm -hmm. to, to keep the reader. To be fair to the reader, but. Um, in a short story, it's not as much of an issue as it is in a novel.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how many drafts before you send it in? Oh gosh,
2: um, ten maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really, I keep reading it until I stop stumbling over right. something in there and. Uh, it's also extremely helpful, and, and your listeners may do this already, to read it out loud, right. because there's things that you hear when you hear it in your ears that you don't pick up yeah. when you're reading it on the page.
0: I explain that to my my students that if you're if you're just reading it silently, you're only using one sense, you know, and one faculty, is the eyes, uh, and your eyes will, can read what you want it to be. Not what it's actually. But if you're moving your mouth and you're listening with your ear, those three combined, you have much more of a chance to to find the stumble, right? Right. right so yeah. Right. Um, you say you uh, write early. How how long are the writing sessions? Uh? Oh well, I don't. I just get coffee.
2: I don't have breakfast till around ten or eleven or sometimes one o'clock in the afternoon. I usually write for three or four hours. Mhm.
0: And when you begin writing sessions, do you read what you read y- did yesterday and then jump in?
2: Uh, sometimes, go back a little bit and to,
0: to get... Get a running start, right? Yeah, 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 yeah to get yeah. into it.
2: And, so, s- and sometimes when you write really early in the morning, like I do, and then you go back and read from the day before, they did that. You don't yeah, yeah. You remember,
0: you're right. surprised. Right, right. So, and you... Yeah. Ever uh, disagree with what you wrote uh, the day before?
2: Sure. Sure, that's part have, of the process. Yeah, and, and what I find um, that I would say is that one reason I have to go over things so many times is because I'm groping for an impression or um, an idea, and I I'm still groping. I haven't quite... Got mm-hmm. it. And um, sometimes, you know, letting a little time go by and then go back and read it again, that's just not quite hitting it. And so then I can revise and fix that. Yeah, and
0: that, that not quite hitting it will gnaw at you until you, yeah. right? Yeah. And sometimes that's it's part hard of the process. to figure out
2: why. Yeah. Wait, but I have a writing group, um, there's about 14 of us, and we meet a month around my dining table mm-hmm. it's called room at the table oh nice and, and it's a misnomer now because there's no more room <laughs> but, but, but anyway we um read each other's work beforehand and usually about half six or sometimes eight of us submit something and then we comment on it and how i describe it is the comments from my fellow writers who all we all know each other's style pretty mm-hmm. well by now because we've been going, the core of us has been going for maybe 15 years. Um, They're excellent at diagnosis and not too good at treatment. So uh, they'll, (laughs) they'll spot those places that aren't quite working, and they'll make a comment, and I may not... Accepted at the time, but when I go back and think about it, I'll see. Well, you know, they've really flagged something that's not quite right here, and they had these six suggestions. I don't like those, but I'm going to fix this but, yeah. this other way.
0: Right. So consensus is worth paying attention to. If Absolutely, it, yeah. Banners.
2: Absolutely, and really, you want your readers to respond to what you're what you've done, and if it's not working, you need to know it.
0: Oh, definitely. So uh, I want to thank you for this and. Tell us where uh, interested readers or other writers can find out more about you and find your material.
2: Well, um, of course, Ellery Queen is sold in the big box bookstores mm-hmm. and um, for should be available for another couple weeks, the July-August issue. Um, the, I have an author page on um, Amazon, and so some of the, um, in fact, I think all of my anthologies I've been in are listed there. Yeah. So those are books of 20, 25 stories um, that are collected around a theme.
0: Excellent. So that's uh, Vicki Weisfeld's uh, author, Amazon author page. You can find it there. Uh, anywhere else? Are
2: those your two main oh, sites? Uh, And on my own website, which is www.theweisfeld.com. And uh, I have a a whole page about my writing and where it is. All
0: right. Well, Vicki, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it and learned a lot. Thanks.